Wow, it's hot in here. You know, I live in London right now, and the past week it's been 30 degrees or more, and my house has no air conditioning, and every time the sun goes down, it goes through my window, and it's pretty much like a combination of a greenhouse and a sauna. So it's actually kind of hard to breathe or sleep, but I'll give this a go anyway. Uh, good morning to all of my wonderful listeners and welcome to a very hot episode 8 of the Historian Weekly Podcast, the forum where we come and discuss the history behind current events and look at them through a modern magnifying glass. In this week's fourth installment of Women of the World, she was nicknamed the Lady with the Lamp, the Angel of Mercy, and is considered the founder of modern nursing. I'm referring to, of course, Florence Nightingale. She was born on the 12th of May, 1820, in Florence, Italy, to an English family. Her family was very upper class, very rich, and very well connected. But her family was also very liberal-minded, for the time, obviously, not now. Her maternal grandfather was an abolitionist, which basically meant he wanted to get rid of slavery in the British Empire, and she was educated by her father. She was an academic and was particularly interested in mathematics, especially from early childhood. She was also religious, and that gave her a strong sense of moral duties, especially to help the poor and the sick, and that's what got her into nursing, but I'll get to that later. She had several experiences that claimed were from God, which determined her destiny to save others and also strengthened her resolve. And she absolutely despised the role that females played at the time, which was to find a good husband and simply run the house. This wasn't just for all females, by the way. This was especially for rich, upper-class women. Men work, women stay at home. That's it. She once said that if she had a choice to be a woman or a galley slave, which were the slaves that used to clean the ships, the interiors of ships, she preferred the freedom of the slavery to the confinement of the woman. She absolutely rejected female company, and instead she spent her time with male intellectuals. Now, let's talk about what professional nursing was seen as at the time. It was seen as a job for the poor, often elderly women. The popular image among most was that of drunkenness, bad language, and an absolutely lackadaisical attitude towards patients. Basically, nobody cared. Still, Nightingale decided to pursue the profession, much to her distress of her mother and sister. She managed to eventually persuade them to allow her to take three months nursing training in Dusseldorf, then part of the Confederation of the Rhine. Now remember, because she was a very rich woman, she was also very well-traveled. She would go to Italy, today's Germany, the Ottoman Empire, Switzerland, everywhere. At age 33, she became the superintendent of a hospital for gentlewomen. And honestly, I have no idea what that means, and if someone can please tell me, then that would be great. I've tried searching everywhere, and I couldn't figure that out. And the hospital was in Harley Street in London. But her greatest contribution was yet to come. In March 1854, reports started coming in to England about the horrendous conditions and lack of medical supplies suffered by injured soldiers in the Crimean War. This was a war between Britain, France, and the Ottoman Empire against the Russian Empire. 
As she already knew the Minister of War, because she was an intellectual, she was invited to oversee the introduction of female nurses to a hospital in the Ottoman Empire, now today's Turkey. 38 nurses, including her aunt May Smith, and 15 Catholic nuns traveled to Skutari, today's Uskudar, which is also in Turkey. When she arrived in November, what she found was astonishing. The poor care of the wounded was being delivered by overworked staff. The officials who were running the place couldn't care less. Medicines were in short supply. Rats and gangrene were everywhere. Mass infections were common. Many of them were fatal. And there was no equipment to process the food for the patient. One soldier described the sight of Nightingale's arrival as a sort of savior. He said... This frail young woman embraced in her solicitude the sick of three armies. Nightingale herself was absolutely appealed and sent an appeal to the Times newspaper pleading for a solution to the poor conditions. For once, the British government actually listened, and they commissioned one of the gra- their greatest inventors, Isambard Kingdom Brunel, I kid you not, that's his actual name, to design a prefabricated hospital that could be built in England and shipped to Turkey. With this, she managed to reduce the death rate from 42% down to only 2% by introducing things that seem completely trivial to us now, such as washing your hands. How crazy is that? Not only that, but she also changed the way that nurses behaved towards their patients. No longer were they drinking or bad-mouthing or using foul language. They were taught motherly care to sick soldiers who were away from their wives or from their mothers or from their families, and all they really needed was human companionship. Just imagine you're at war, you are so far away from everything else, you've just been injured, you don't know if you're going to make it out alive, but you still know in the back of your mind that in this hospital, there's going to be someone, especially a female, let's be honest, to take care of you. And that could actually make the difference between sanity or insanity, and in some cases, life or death. This is actually quite rarely spoken about, and I don't think that's right. So that's why I chose to also highlight that here. During the Crimean War, Nightingale gained the nickname The Lady with the Lamp from a quote in the Times. The Times was quoted as saying, She's a ministering angel without any exaggeration in these hospitals, and as her slender form glides quietly along each corridor, every poor fellow's face softens with gratitude at the sight of her. When all the medical officers have retired for the night and silence and darkness have settled down upon those miles of prostrate sick, she may be observed alone with a little lamp in her hand, making her solitary rounds." The soldiers themselves nicknamed her and her team the Angels of Mercy and anticipatedly and eagerly waited for their arrival. This was not Nightingale's only contribution. During and after the war, she was also a pioneer of medical tourism as well, based on her 1856 letters describing spas in the Ottoman Empire. She detailed in them the health conditions, physical descriptions, dietary information, and other details which inspired many Europeans to go there for treatment. Their treatment was more effective and less expensive than traditional places, such as Switzerland. But her greatest work if you could call the Crimean War less of a good work, comes in 1859, when Nightingale wrote her most famous book, Notes on Nursing. In it, she wrote, Every day sanitary knowledge, 
or the knowledge of nursing, or in other words, of how to put it in the constitution in such a state that it will have no disease, or that it can recover from disease, takes a higher place. It is recognized as the knowledge which everyone ought to have, distinct from medical knowledge, which only a profession can have. Let, let me decipher this for you. This means that nursing can be done by anybody, anywhere, and can be learned by anyone. And it's not the same as being a doctor where it has to be a profession. Anyone can be a nurse and anyone can perform and do a good job in it. This was the pioneering move which absolutely shook the world. When she came back to England after the Crimean War, she also established the Florence Nightingale School of Nursing and Midwifery. It had such a good reputation that Nightingale nurses, as graduates were called, were asked to, were asked to establish new schools all over the world, including Australia, the newly founded country of America, and Africa. Florence also met with Queen Victoria on many occasions, and she received the Royal Red Cross in 1883. She was also the first woman to receive the Order of Merit in 1907 for her contributions, the Order of Merit being Britain's highest civilian decoration. Florence Nightingale died on the 13th of August, 1910, at age 90. Her impact on the world is undeniable. She eschewed the confinements of a 19th century upper-class woman and worked tirelessly to save the lives of countless other people, her mission was to serve, and she went above and beyond her duty. She changed the reputation of nursing from an odd backwater job into one of the most respected professions in the world. She not only saved the lives of soldiers in her time of the Crimean War, but she also saved the lives of millions of soldiers in subsequent wars and civilians around the world. Not only that, she gave women a space to really make a contribution in a society which was illiberal and traditional. Even today, her work is still being studied, and her legacy lives on. And for all of this, she deserves to be remembered as a woman of the world. Well, ladies and gentlemen, another episode of the Historian Weekly Podcast has come to an end. Thank you so much again from the bottom of my heart for listening, and I really hope you enjoy listening to these podcasts as much as I enjoy making them. Please continue to like, share, and subscribe, and leave as many ratings as possible. Your contributions are what is keeping me on the air. Have a good week, everybody.